You are now listening to the Griot's Black Podcast Network, Black Culture Amplified. I'm Torre. Star Stories is brought to you by the Griot Black Podcast Network, home of the blackest questions with Dr. Chrissy Greer and Dear Culture with Panama Jackson. This episode of Star Stories is about Kanye. So the year is 2004. I'm a writer at Rolling Stone magazine, which means every few days the phone rings announcing a new mission. Sometimes they'd say, go to Trump Tower and interview Jay-Z. Sometimes they'd say, get on a plane and go to Cannes and interview Beyonce or fly to LA and hang out with DMX. This is about the day someone said, go to New Jersey and spend a day with that hot new rapper from Chicago. This is about the day I met Kanye West. His debut album, The College Dropout, was out, and everyone in hip-hop was talking about him. At that point, his fourth single, Jesus Walks, was all over the radio. He was big, but nowhere near as huge as he would become. This is the old Kanye, chop up the soul Kanye, when he was still somewhat humble. Don't get me wrong, he had a big ego, but it was still building, which is part of what this story is all about. He was then living in a luxury skyscraper in Hoboken in an apartment on the top floor. When I got there around noon, he was in his bedroom getting dressed. For the next hour, he continued struggling with what to wear, wondering which polo shirt. So for an hour, I wandered around his apartment, just looking around, being nosy like a reporter should. The place was barely furnished as if he hadn't lived there long, but there was an expensive buffalo leather couch with kangaroo fur pillows. I know this because he told me after he finished getting dressed. But then I found the detail that would never leave me. On the wall in the main living room, there was a giant larger than life poster of Kanye. He was on stage in performance, shouting into a mic like Rawr! on the wall in his own house. I was like, why does Kanye have a poster of Kanye on the wall in his house? This struck me as a bit strange. I've been in lots of rappers' houses. I've been in Snoop's house. We'll tell you about that another time. I've been in Biggie's apartment. I've been to Lauren Hill's big place. I've been to Offset's mansion. They may have platinum plaques on the walls commemorating their albums blowing up, but I've never seen someone put a poster of themselves on the wall. I was like, this is kind of crazy. So when Kanye finally emerged in a polo shirt, we said hi and all of that. And then I asked him, so why do you have a poster of you on the wall in your house? And he said something amazing. It's super Kanye, but it's amazing. He said, I have to cheer for me before anyone else can cheer for me. And I thought that was the coolest thing ever. The guy was manually cranking up his self-confidence and his ego and being his own biggest fan at a time when he didn't have that many fans. He was saying, I need to be a fan of myself first, which is amazing advice because to achieve something great, sometimes you have to believe in yourself before you have any good reason to believe in yourself. You've got to believe in your greatness just because you know what's possible in you even when your resume doesn't yet say anything. Because that belief in you 
will help carry you to those big life victories. Now, the self-belief that Kanye was cultivating is definitely the first step on the road to Kanye becoming the megalomaniacal Kanye Kardashian who's polarizing and captivating and all of that. But it was thrilling to watch a young artist be so open and so self-aware about the need to pump his ego up to rap star levels because of all the jobs in the world, being a rap star requires a massive ego. You want an MC whose ego is so big, it's infectious. It rubs off on you and you walk away feeling bigger and stronger and better able to conquer life. Years ago, I worked with KRS-One on his autobiography. We'll talk about that more another time. And he once told me, rap songs are like confidence sandwiches. You put them in your mouth, i.e. you repeat the words the MC is using. And the tones and the flows with which the MC is saying those words and the confidence the MC feels rushes into your body. Kanye was building himself up into that sort of person. And I love that. But I mean, in a way, he already had it. I later talked to his mom for this story, and she said when Kanye was in kindergarten, his teacher said Kanye certainly doesn't have any problem with self-esteem. But he was still building his rap star ego, so it was fragile. I wasn't trying to get under his skin, but I think I did. And that might be the cause of a long-running rift between us. See, that Kanye interview slash hangout is the first and last time I've interviewed Kanye. And this next part of the story might be why it's the last time I've interviewed him. Let me tell you what happened. See, when Kanye came out with his polo shirt, he also had a brand new Jesus Peace neck chain that he'd gotten the day before from Jacob the Jeweler, who was then the number one custom jewelry maker in all of hip hop. Everyone who was anyone had a piece by Jacob. Kanye's Jesus Peace was glittering and shimmering like the brightest star in the night sky. It was blinding. The actual face was about the size of a grown man's palm, and it had a cluster of clear diamonds depicting the crown of thorns, and a river of yellow and light brown diamonds making up Jesus' blonde hair, and aquamarines for his blue eyes, and little rubies for the tears of blood coming down his face. It was amazing. It was a $25,000 piece. I know this because he told me. Now, this moment probably would have slid by many other people. Indeed, it would have slid by me at some other point in my life. But that year, I had made a vow to myself to never lie. I just wanted to be honest 100% of the time and never let anyone make me afraid to tell the truth. I mean, I was grown. I wasn't scared of anyone. So why would I lie to anyone? Why would I let anyone scare me out of the courage to tell the truth? Who are you that I have to lie to you? So I was like, okay, Kanye asked me a question about his Jesus piece. I got to tell the truth. Now, I may not be a big Christian, but I love reading about the historical Jesus. And I believe there was a real man named Jesus who walked the earth and spread some of his teachings that are now attached to his name and was crucified for espousing a radical philosophy. I also believe that that man was black in that he had African features, brown, kinky hair, 
brown skin, a thick nose. Maybe he looked like me. The Bible suggests as much. It's Europeans in later centuries who redrew Jesus as a blonde-haired, blue-eyed man. And this matters. This is one of the great intellectual thefts in the history of modern society. Can you imagine how different the world would be if generations of Europeans had been taught that the greatest man who ever lived, the man who is the son of God, was actually a black man? Perhaps the transatlantic slave trade doesn't happen because Europeans are trained to see the humanity in black people because the best person ever is black or something like that. So it's important to me to not perpetuate the lie that Jesus is blonde and blue-eyed, which feeds into Eurocentric beauty standards and Eurocentrism in general. And plus, Kanye suggests in his song, Jesus Walks, that he himself thinks Jesus is black when he says, I ain't here to argue about his facial features. So my head is spinning now because all of this is swirling through my mind after Kanye is like, do you like my Jesus piece? Now a word from our sponsors. Thank you for listening to Star Stories with Teray. If you like the show, you'll love the animated version of this series. Watch the adult cartoon series Star Stories with Teray at thegrio.com or the Grio Black Podcast Network's YouTube channel. You'll find the video links in the description section of this episode. So my head is spinning now because all of this is swirling through my mind after Kanye is like, do you like my Jesus piece? And I don't want to offend him because we just met a few seconds ago. But inside, I'm like, nah, not really. You should have made him look black. Why are you participating in the madness that Jesus ain't black? But I can't offend him. But I can't lie. I made a promise to myself. So in a millisecond, I came up with this compromise. I put it on him. I said, it doesn't bother you to sport a blonde-haired, blue-eyed Jesus? I didn't speak on my feelings. I spoke about his. (laughs) So he says, the only thing that bothers me is how other people are going to react to it. What? What does that even mean? I said, but don't you believe that Jesus was black? He said, Yes, I believe Jesus was black. When I saw it, the chain, I said, I don't particularly want this as far as what I represent, even though I love it, but I do think it's a beautiful piece of artwork. I did not say our standards of beauty are socially constructed and part of why you think that's beautiful and not strange is because what you're used to seeing, so even though you believe Jesus is black, you're choosing to wear an image of a white and Eurocentric Jesus every day. I did not say that. I wanted to. I just said, okay. I let it drop. And so did he. Sort of. My comment and my lack of immediate and total admiration for something that he had done, that took hold in his mind and would not let it go. About 30 minutes later, we were in a chauffeured car driving toward Manhattan when out of the blue, he said, do you think everyone's going to say that about my piece? I said, I didn't know. We dropped it again. 20 minutes later, out of the blue again, he calls his assistant and says, cancel my next three meetings and tell Jacob the jeweler we're coming by right now. And then he told the driver, take us over to Jacob's. 30 minutes later, we're in Jacob the jeweler's showroom at 47th Street and 6th Avenue in Manhattan. 
on the wall. There's hundreds of Polaroids of Jacob with every rapper in hip hop. The guy was an institution and a classic luxury goods salesman, ready to bend over backwards to please any client. So when Kanye said, I want to know if you could pop out these blue eyes, Jacob said, sure, absolutely, whatever you want. He yelled to his assistant, go in the safe and bring me all the colored stones. Kanye said, I actually love the way it looks with blue eyes, but I'll get too much flack for that. I can't explain that because... I have socially conscious lyrics. But he tried all the colors Jacob had and concluded that no other color made sense. He promised to come back and make an African looking one. When we got back in the car, he said, I gotta get my explanation together. And he thought for a moment and then he said, I got it. I'll say it's grandma's Jesus. I understood, but I didn't. Fast forward about 10 hours later. It's about midnight and Kanye's in his Maybach in the parking lot of Little Keene College in New Jersey, waiting to go on stage to perform. He told me that he hoped Jay-Z would come to this show. He said Jay was like a father figure to him. He used that phrase. And then he said, Jay is like his Jewish father. I was not entirely sure what that meant. And then he noticed Jay's Maybach about 40 yards away. A jolt went through him. He jumped out of his Maybach and all but ran over to Jay's. He had to show him his new Jesus piece. Of course, I had to follow him. But I wasn't going to just watch. Journalists don't have to be just flies on the wall. You can do little things to help you get at the truth. I had already seen how torn and insecure Kanye was about someone not giving him instant and total love for just one of his choices. And without that, I wouldn't have seen who he really is. The ego was big, but it was fragile. And if I hadn't intervened in the next scene, I wouldn't have, well, you'll see. So Kanye runs to Jay's Maybach and hops in the front passenger seat and leans into the back, showing off his chain. Now, at that point, I had interviewed Jay several times, so we knew each other. So I nudged myself into the back window, right next to Jay in the back seat, leaning in through the open window like the worst little brother of the world, tagging along like, hey guys, what are you doing? Jay's sitting in the back, rocking this big rock-aware leather jacket. Beside him was this sexy woman in a short skirt and tall poochy boots. So Kanye hands his chain to Jay for inspection. He really wants Jay's approval. Jay nods like, Okay, this all right. He seemed impressed as he surveyed the glittering piece. Then I said, one little thing, just one thing. I said, that's a white Jesus. I probably put a little steak on white. You know how we do, but just a little. Jay immediately changed his tune. His face dropped. He wasn't impressed no more. Kanye tried to save the moment. That's grandma's Jesus. Jay said, nah, you gotta darken that face up, man. The woman jumped in. You gotta get rid of them blue eyes, she said. He's too blonde hair blue eyes for me. Kanye said, we tried to get rid of the blue eyes. Now he's backpedaling. The blue eyes look best, he said. Jay said, yeah. That's what they want you to think. Then he blurted out his signature <laughs> laugh, ending the moment. And then he shooed Kanye away. Hurry up and get on stage. We want to get to a party. 
10 minutes later, Kanye was in the midst of a performance. He probably doesn't remember, but I bet he remembers the moment with me and Jay and his chain because he got embarrassed in front of his father figure. His growing ego had gotten deflated by a much bigger ego and the fragility of his own ego was laid bare. His feelings got hurt and it was my fault. And for that, I have been punished. That interview took place over 15 years ago. And since then, I've interviewed almost everyone in hip hop. But I haven't had another interview with Kanye. This podcast was written and produced by me, Torre, with additional production by Sam Riddell and Albert Parnell, and executive production from Virginia Griffin. Star Stories is brought to you by the Grio Black Podcast Network, home of the Grio Daily with Michael Harriet and Writing Black with Maisha Kai. If you like this episode of Star Stories, check out the one on KRS One. And check out my audio documentary, Being Black, the 80s. Each episode focuses on a song that defined the decade and critical issues facing black people. It's the funkiest history class you'll ever take. Remember to rate and review It Does Matter. I'm Torre. What's going on, everybody? Panama Jackson here, and I'm the host of the Dear Culture Podcast on the Griot Black Podcast Network. And I'm telling you to check us out every Thursday on the Griot's app to make sure you get that new, amazing, original Black content, that awesome creativity. Check us out. Dear Culture, Panama Jackson, out. <laughs>